The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Welcome to the end. Excited to have you guys here. I'm going to show a little video to open us tonight. Uh, if you have never been inside of a church building, this video gives us a really good impression of what it's like. It should give you an expectation of what it's like to be here. I think it helps us out well. The interns have been turning me on to a lot of things. Okay, They've been showing me things I've never seen before. How many of you all know these videos this guy does named Steve Brule? You ever seen these before? This is John C. Riley. He was a stepbrother. We had some stepbrothers earlier. He explains really well what it's like to be here. You might find it funny or weird the first time. Watch it again. It gets funny. Go ahead. Today we're going to talk about something pretty fun, kind of boring. Church. Let's check it out. Let me just ask you straight. Can I be a priest, please? It would be hard if you don't study. I have never sinned. Can I be a priest? You never did anything wrong. Nope. You've never stolen anything. Hmm. Okay, that's good. Well, then you're right up there with Jesus, I guess. It's lonely at the top. It can be. Most of us have done things that we regret later. I'm a priest, too. I could be if I say I am. I don't need to be a priest. I'm a doctor. See you at church, suckers. Today we're going to talk about... See you at church, suckers. Uh, you showed up tonight, suckers. I don't really get everything about that video. Honestly, sometimes I watch it in the office. Every, all the interns laugh and quote the lines a bunch. I don't always know what's going on. But here's what I do know. Even though it doesn't make a ton of sense, there's something in here that I'd like to make a really loose connection with. <laughs> and, and that is this. I, I want to talk about some things tonight that are sometimes thoughts we have as we come to God, as we come to church, as we come into a community. Uh, And one of those is even what he says, that sometimes I feel like we come here, and I know I have felt this in my life, that I need to either act like I have it all together, act like I have no sin in my life, act like I'm perfect, fake it a little bit in order to fit in, or go and clean myself up before I try to come into the presence of God. You know, do that in your life. You, uh, we think, okay, if I'm going to spend time with God, I need to have, oh, oh man, God does not want to see me in my current state. So before this, I will go a week with no sinning. I'm going to be perfect in my life for a week. I'm going to get right. I'm going to read the Bible every day. And then all of a sudden, now I can enter into the presence of God. Or we come here and we feel like we need to fake it and act like we have everything going on, that we are void of sin in our life, or that we have somehow cleaned ourselves all up. And that's what brings us here. You all feel that way ever? I do. I got some problems with what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? Because there's a bold statement that Jesus makes that Thurt opened us with last week. He did a phenomenal job communicating this idea of life. Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and how Jesus, in Jesus, we discover life. We come alive in him when we do not numb our emotions, either good or bad. And tonight, I want to take that same exact text Okay, in John 14, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I want to focus right on the beginning, that very first statement, I am the way. It's a bold statement. I think it can even be offensive at times. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what that might mean for us. So I want to jump right in to the scripture 
tonight. Go ahead and throw John 14 up there, okay? For the context in the book of John, this is right after John 13, which is a chapter where Jesus has spent this time with his disciples and all these close people saying, I'm going to leave soon. My time on earth is coming to a close. Pretty soon you won't see me anymore. I'm taking off. I'm going to go be with the Father. They're a little bit confused. So he says this to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas speaks up in response for the disciples, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? It's a very honest question. This is a guy who's been walking with Jesus for three years, speaks up, I do not know where you're going and I do not know how to get there. I want to say, if you are part of the community and sometimes you feel like, God, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how to get there. Jesus, I don't know where you're going in my life. I don't know how to get there. I I want you to know you're in good company. Okay, these are guys that hung out with Jesus for three years. This is how we feel sometimes. Sometimes we get up here as a staff and try to act like we have everything figured out, but we do not. It is confusing. Following Jesus sometimes is difficult. This Bible does not, it's hard to understand at times. So if you're, if you're confused by any of this, hang in there. Keep engaging. We're not going to solve everything, but you're, you're in good company of people that are confused as well. Okay. But Jesus answers this question and he says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I am the way, the way to what, they ask. The way to being with God, the way to eternal life, the way to spending eternity in the presence of a holy God. Jesus says there's only one way to get there. And I am in that way. I'm not just a gate you enter through. I am the road. I am everything from where you currently are at to getting to God. I am the way and the only way hard statement. It feels exclusive to me. It feels really exclusive. I think this is a, 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 the reason why sometimes people have a problem with Christianity or with Christians is it feels like it's exclusive. What about the people that were not born in a Christian home that did not grow up in that environment? What about other religions around the world? What about people that think differently, that believe other stuff? How can there just be one way? And here in Seattle, there are a lot of weird things about us Seattle people. I know that. If you're from out of the city, out of the state, out of the country, you've already figured us out. We're a little weird. But one of the things in Seattle, right? What is our value here? Our value is tolerance. You can't tell me what to do. You you do you. You do you. I do me. Nobody gets to tell anybody what to do. And so I interact a lot with people that are not in a Christian world. Why, you don't go, do you believe in God? Yeah, I don't really believe in God. I believe in something. I might be kind of spiritual, but mostly I just believe in loving everybody. I believe in just love everyone. You do you. Don't tell me what to do. So then how, you know, what's the issue with Christians then? How do you feel about Christians? A lot of people will go, I don't really like Christians. I don't really like Christians because they feel arrogant at times. 
feel rude. They say that they have their own way. They push their agenda on me. They're not very tolerant at times of what I think and I believe. They feel exclusive and sometimes condescending of who I am, and I get it. I I, I understand that at times. Sometimes I look around at the world, and I see people, you know, on campus with a megaphone yelling at other people to follow Jesus. I go, "I I don't do what that guy does. I don't know him. You know, I look at the history of our country and the history of, the, of a lot of civilization, and I look at what Christians have done. I can't believe things like the Crusades happened, where people, because of what they believe, their followership of Jesus, said, we're going to kill other people or make them believe what we believe. A lot of that happened at the start of this country. The KKK, that's how the KKK started. You know, that was a bunch of Christians that started going, hey, we're going to kill people that or make them believe exactly what we believe. And it went from there to uh, targeting minority groups and, and all kinds of people into the evil and the hatred that it was a part of. But when we look at the world of, of Christians and what they've done, sometimes it does. It feels rude. It feels arrogant and definitely exclusive. It's not very tolerant. And sometimes people haven't done a lot of good for Christians over history or even now to show tolerance. And I want to be very clear when it comes to tolerance. That we want to be a very, very tolerant group of people that we know a lot of people that walk through these doors and people outside of these doors are different, think different, believe different things, act different when their life, with their lifestyle. We want to be very, very tolerant of that. And, but a lot of people would say, okay, I just love everybody. I just, just love everyone. You do you, I'll do me. And, and, and that, is, that is totally fine. But sometimes when I look out at the world, I don't always see everybody loving people in the way that they claim to love people. I see people being tolerant of other people, but I also see a lot of people ignoring other people. I think that's something that we're known for here in Seattle. Just kind of ignore everybody. You know, let them, let them keep doing their thing. I don't want to push my agenda on them. And not that I'm here to say you ever need to push your agenda or that we're trying to push our agenda on you. But I think love does more than just being tolerant. Love does more of even ignoring people. Love interacts with the world and the people around us. Love gets into the mess with people of their lives. It's caring about other people. It's moving into a place where we know them, where we listen to other people, where we care about their life and share with each other things that are really happening in our world. And for those of us that go, man, I think I've found life in Jesus. I think there's something different. I don't want to push that on anybody in this, in this room. But my hope is, is that you're out here tonight to check this out in some sort of way because there's something that says there's more of a life in Jesus. And I want to discover what that is. And, and if, we, if we stood up here, didn't talk about that. Didn't talk about the, that, that we think there's an incredible life there and that it's found in Jesus and that isn't found in, in a lot of other things. I think that's what Jesus says. He goes, look, you can try other things. You can try anything you want. I'll love you regardless. I will never, ever, ever stop loving you. But there is a way to experience life to the full. There's a way to experience eternal life, full life in heaven and on earth. And the only way to do that is through me. I'm the road, I'm the way to get there. We look at that and go, is that a super exclusive statement? I'm the way, the only way. I don't know if it's that exclusive. In fact, I wanna turn that. I think that this is actually the most inclusive statement possible. Even though there's only one way, that way is super, super inclusive. 
Jesus is saying, guess what? For all of you guys that are trying so hard, for all of you that are trying to clean yourself up, for all of you that are trying to get life right and act like you have it all together and trying to save yourself, trying to work so hard, I got something different. I got something better. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you did last month. It doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter how much you struggle because it's not about you. Not that Jesus doesn't care about our struggles. This is not about you. It's about me. It's about the price that I've paid for you with my life so that you can experience life and all you have to do is accept the gift of grace that I have to offer you. It's not about you. Of course, you're not gonna be good enough. I knew that, says Jesus. Jesus knew that we weren't gonna be good enough. He knew that we would fail. He knew that we would wanna disappear from him and from other people when we feel like we have failed and let others down. But he says, I got something better. I got something better than that. I got something more for you. If you will accept the gift of grace that I offer you, it's gonna do something for all of us. It puts us on the same level that we're all now included on this very same level. You know what it's like? It's kind of like when you're at a party and the cha-cha slide comes on. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Don't act with like you don't, okay? Because even if you are rhythmically challenged like myself, okay, when the cha-cha slide comes on, all of a sudden you feel like you can dance, okay? It does. You feel the same way. I know that you love it because it spells it out for you. To the left, okay, to the left, to the right. I can do that. To the right, two hops this time. One, two. Dude, I'm dancing just like everybody else. There's something that happens, Okay, when you're at a party and the cha-cha slide comes on the dance floor, it takes everyone and it puts them on the same level and everyone all of a sudden is dancing. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're old, doesn't matter if you're young, black, white, Asian, Latino, big, small, anything. Like if you can dance or you can't dance, you come out and all, and the people that have been standing on the wall all night now for the first time find themselves on the dance floor. I was at a wedding a couple weeks ago. It was all people younger than me. I thought, where are all the... I'm not that old. Where are all the 35-year-olds and people? But all these young people are dancing. I'm thinking, man, I can't dance with these people. They like their moves are really cool. And I'm just going to stand here and kind of 90 degrees, side to side. And all of a sudden, the cha-cha slide comes on. I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, I'm right in the middle. I'm with everyone. And now I am one of this group. And something happens when it comes on. The energy rises as people come to the middle, as people join in. And all of a sudden, we start to experience something different. We're moving into the same rhythm together. We've been put on an equal level. And now the people that were not good enough to dance, when there are those other songs on, all of a sudden feel like, man, I'm good enough to be on the same level. I'm good enough to dance and be in the center of this party. That's grace. That's community That's what it's like to experience community together. That's what we're about. I think that's what Jesus is about. Grace in Jesus is not exclusive. It brings everybody onto the same level. And now we can be authentic. 
And now we can be who we are. And now we can enter in to community and share our lives with people. Because it doesn't matter how good we are or how bad we are. We really, really want you to experience community here. It's why we push things like core groups so hard. It's why we push fall getaway. Not because we think they're the best idea in the whole world, but because we want you to come and get to know people. We want you to make friends. We want you to get to know our staff. We want you to experience community because guess what? You do not just need someone like myself up here talking about grace. We want you to experience grace. And grace is so often experienced through community. That when we come together with people and share who we are, the good, the bad, the struggles in our life, the joy we find in things, the brokenness, the loneliness that we experience, then you get the gift of other people in your life saying, hey, that's okay. I love you. I love you so much. Regardless of that, and Jesus does too. I hope that's the kind of community we're becoming. I hope we're the most welcoming, non-judgmental community that people have ever been a part of. We're not there yet, but that's what I want us to be. That's where I hope we're going, that we can welcome people in and go, I don't care what you did, because guess what? I'm messed up too. That's what we discover with community. I love being in like a guy's group. I'm doing good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I got a little problem. Oh yeah, I have that same little problem. Oh yeah, I have that same little problem. All of a sudden we get to say me too. Figure out that the people around us aren't so perfect. Figure out that we're not that perfect, but that that doesn't matter. Because Jesus offers a grace that brings us all onto the same level and hopefully together. Now, community can be a really cool experience in our life. It can also become an idol for us. We can also expect certain things from community that it wasn't intended to do. We can also expect perfection from those around us. We can be let down from people. So often we are let down by their people when we expect them on some level. The hardest thing about community though, I'll tell you right now, is this idea of comparison. Hardest thing about entering a community like this, getting to know people is starting to go, I need to be like them. That's a whole nother message. And that's like a series of messages because I know we struggle with comparison so much. We're not gonna talk about that a ton tonight, but I do know that that is something that robs us of so much joy that we can experience. I think that's the gift of grace. Besides putting us all on the same level, what it says is, is that you get to be you. You get to be you in this community and you don't have to be like anybody else. So don't compare yourself to others. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking is some of you guys in here do not like the cha-cha slide. I felt that. I looked around, I saw a lot of you guys laughing and I saw some people that were shaking their head. You know who you are. We'll watch the video later. We'll see you. You did not like the cha-cha slide. And I'll tell you, it's okay. I personally like it but you can dance way better than me. You probably do not like the cha-cha slide for the same reason you don't like there being only one way to God through the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's the same thing that I struggle with. It's because I love to be in control. I love to be in control. And I may not have as good a dance moves as you, but I still want to be in control all the time. Seriously, this is the biggest fight that Rachel and I get in. We are driving somewhere. I am driving. She is sitting next to me. She says, oh, 
turn here. It's the fastest way. Siri says, turn here. Waze says, turn here. I say, I know, I know you guys experience the same thing. This little thing in you starts to go, you know what I'm talking about? I know a faster way. <laughs> I, I'm more efficient than the map. I know how to avoid traffic. I have a better way. And so I do not listen to all three voices of reason in my life. I cruise through the intersection. Rachel goes, how come you didn't turn? I go, oh, I know a faster way. And then I proceed to drive twice the speed limit and go through all the stop signs, roll through them, cruise the red light, just so I can make it there about 10 seconds before we would have made it the other way. And as I, you know, jerk the car to a stop, I say, see, that way was faster. (laughs) Man, we love to be in control. We want to do things our own way. It's why we love Chipotle. Okay, it's why Chipotle is the fastest growing restaurant. I don't know if it's the fastest growing restaurant, but there's a lot of them. They pop up everywhere and there's always a line. How come there's always a line down on the Ave, like out the door? It's because they know that we like to be in control. When I get there, I want black beans. I want brown rice. I want carnitas. I want medium salsa, corn, just a little bit of lettuce, no sour cream, and yes, guac, of course. And they know it. Chipotle has studied us. They know the way that we think, that we love that feeling when we walk out with our burrito bowl and our tortilla on the side and we have our head held high because we were in control. I got to make all the decisions and they did what I wanted to on my burrito. We love to be in control. They've studied business. If this is so simple... How come Jesus didn't study business? How come he doesn't understand that we all want to be in control? How come he doesn't give us control? How come his way is about giving up the control that we want? We'd have so many more people following Jesus if we could somehow do that and still control and still be in charge of everything in our own life. And Jesus, just help me out. Help me get all the things I want. I still want to be in control. Admit it. Some of you guys are stressed here tonight. Some of you guys didn't want to come because school's starting to build up already. Week four, you're stressed out. I need to get great grades. I need to get into great grad school. I need to get a good job. Why? So we can be happy. For a lot of us, it's so we can be in control. A lot of us are afraid of that idea of relying on other people And so we're not working so hard so that we can be happy. We're working really hard so that we can stay in control. Now, I got nothing against working hard. Please study hard, work hard. I love when people work hard. Go get great grades. But is it just so we can continue to still be in control of our life? Part of accepting grace in Jesus is giving up control. It's realizing that if God is in control of our life, that there's a freedom that comes with that. It's a hard freedom to find because we want to be in control. We don't want to let somebody else guide the way. I say this, even as I say it, I know how much I struggle with this in my life. Jesus says, look, if you want to experience full life, if you want to experience life in the presence of a good, good God and eternal life, it's through giving up control to me. And I would never come here tonight 
and say, just trust in a God that you barely know. Just give up control to somebody you don't even know. I think it's why it's so important that it becomes personal. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's so important that it becomes personal. So you know Jesus, that we start by putting a little weight down on him in our life and see, does he hold? God, I'm gonna give you control of this little thing in my life. Is that gonna hold? And a little more and a little more, that's trust. It's having the faith to step out on those little things in our life. And, and believe me, I, I would never want you to come make a decision here or feel forced to, to make a decision to give your life to Jesus when you barely know him and what he's doing in your life. But I hope you come into this place wanting to get him know, getting to know him more. And I hope you come into this place thinking about what that is and, and what you want for your life. And I'm gonna give us a little bit more time to think about that tonight. Think about what Jesus does, that Jesus provides a way for us to be free. For us to be free from figuring out, from thinking that we need to have it all together, free from being in control, free from cleaning ourselves up or thinking we need to clean ourselves up before coming to God, before entering in to community together. I hope that this is a place that you come and experience what that freedom in Jesus looks like. Because it's that freedom, it's that freedom that brings us to this table. Okay, we're gonna do something tonight for the first time this year at the end, uh, participating in something that Christians have done for thousands of years, people that call themselves followers of Jesus. And if you are new here or new uh, to the church or did not grow up in a Christian household, this might feel a little weird. Okay, and that's okay. Uh, it might, it still feels a little weird to me that we would, we would break off a piece of bread, that we would dip it in grape juice, and that somehow this would connect us deeper with God in our life. I don't know exactly how that's done. But for thousands of years, people have been doing this because Jesus said, hey, I want you to remember me. And there's something special about these everyday elements that just help us remember. And I encourage you tonight to just remember and think about the price that Jesus paid for all of us and the invitation to join him in that life. And so what we're gonna do now is uh, we're gonna have a number of stations around the room and uh, I'm gonna say a few words for us up here. And I'm gonna pray for us. And then I'm gonna invite you to come and, and, uh, and join a station. Um, get in a line if you want. Take a piece of bread, rip it off of the big loaf, dip it in uh, the juice and then take as you feel led to. You'll get a small blessing uh, at the station. And if that is something not for you or you don't put any of your weight down on God or you don't want anything to do with him, that's totally fine. We're excited that you're here tonight. You do not have to participate. Don't feel any social pressure, please, to participate uh, tonight with us. And also during this time, I wanna encourage you. We have a, we have a prayer sign in the back and, and uh, every, every week here at the end, we have people uh, from our staff and our student-led prayer team that will be in the back uh, by the prayer sign and also behind that wall. And if you want someone to pray with you, I encourage you to go back um, to, that, to that station back there and have someone pray with you. It doesn't mean that things have to be falling apart in your life. Sometimes I get, I don't go to the prayer station because I think like everyone's gonna look at me and think my whole life is falling apart. Sometimes it's just something real small. Man, I just wanna invite someone in to pray with this. Sometimes it's celebrating. 
Maybe you have something to celebrate. You want something to celebrate with you and pray, thank God together. Sometimes just verbalizing that helps us, helps us out in the way that we talk to God. And so I encourage you uh, during the next few songs we sing after this to go join um, us in the prayer corner. But this ordinary table was the same table that Jesus came to on the night that he was betrayed. And what he did when he was up in the upper room with his disciples and his, his close people is he took the bread, the everyday element, and breaking it, he said, this is my body broken for you. He said, take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, take and drink. And he said, these ordinary everyday elements, every time that you take these things, I want you to remember me. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we know we're not good enough to come to this table and to come to the Father. Lord, remind us that we do not have to be, that the price you paid makes it so we can all come freely and experience the wonderful life that you give us. Lord, you bless this night. Help us to experience more of your presence and your love in our life. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.